Hello and welcome to another episode of Improper Football. My name is Mark. And I am Biz. It's a it's a dawn of a new era, isn't it, Mark? After a oh few weeks. Oh my gosh. Dawn of a new <laughs> why era. Tell we, the folks, we... Why don't you tell the folks what you've been up to? Well, uh, part of the reason why we haven't been live for the past few weeks or so is because I've been in the process of supplanting myself from the Washington, D.C. area into the Seattle, Washington area. I've been very, very jealous of Biz, uh, constantly making trips out to Seattle. Like, you know what? I just have to beat him to this. I'm just going to move out there myself. Um, so I have transferred my job. I currently work out of Bellevue, Washington, which is just on the other side of Lake Washington. And I am loving it out here so far. I, I have a question. I, I, has there been a lot of graffiti on any Russell Wilson posters or like billboards or anything out in that area? Or is there still I'm love sure for him? There are. I'm sure there are. Uh, and there is definitely <laughs> still love for him as well. You're, you're going to get people that are very, very uh, emotionally driven by the fact that he is gone. And you're going to have people that are like, you know what? it's been time for us to move on as well. And there are people that are just Russell Wilson fans instead of Seahawks yeah, fans as well. Yeah, of course. So you're getting the wide gamut. I'm not seeing so much of that out in Bellevue. Uh, you're probably going to see more of that in downtown Seattle proper. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's great to be back. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to like, yeah, get, get things, uh, get things going again. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I've been, I've been traveling myself a lot back and forth between here and England. So, yeah, it's been a while, so uh, we've got lots to talk about with the draft and uh, thought it would be good to do a, a post-draft episode. So, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. let's, uh, let's get going. And I, I just want to go ahead and state for that, like this, is, this episode where we're going to primarily focus on what's been happening with the draft, uh, we are going to be talking about the ramifications of greater free agency and the draft for fantasy in future episodes. And we've got a lot of episodes to get through for the summer as it is. Today, we're primarily just going to be talking about the draft. So yeah. this was a really interesting draft. Uh, I, now, I know that I watched almost the entirety of the draft, with the exception of the beginning of the first round, since I was working at that. Uh, but I was keeping track on who was being drafted here and there. Uh, not shocked that the Jaguars went with Trayvon Walker. Kind of feels like a Jaguars pick to me. He has all the upside in the world, but so did Caleb on Chason. And it just feels like it's another edge rusher that the Jaguars are taking yeah. that's just going to fill kind of a basic rotational depth. I hope I'm wrong because I like what Trayvon Walker did, but it just kind of felt like an out of left field pick up until a few weeks ago. Yeah. I, so for me, I, I have to be honest, I, it was hard for me to get up for this draft or excited about this draft. Um, you know, for, for, for those that obviously have been listening to this podcast, you know, everyone knows Mark knows the X's and O's a lot more than I do. And I, I tend to, um, you know, last year's draft, I, I get excited about drafts that have possibly four or five quarterbacks going or great running backs going. And this, this is like the first draft that I can remember for a long time that basically there were like not really any stars at the quarterback position, like lying in wait. And obviously, Kenny Pickett was the first quarterback taken. Uh, for me, you know, I, I thought Aiden Hutchinson might be taken number one. But obviously him going to Detroit at number two made a lot of sense, obviously. I mean, he plays, he played for Michigan and it's sort of the hometown team. Um, and also they, they need, you know, it was, it was a kind of need that they have. So that, that made a lot of sense, sense to me. Um, I was surprised that the Jags took Trayvon Walker um, because from what I was listening to a lot of like Mel Kuyper and, 
the draft boards, a lot of people said that Hutchison was the best player in the draft. And so a lot of people predicted him to go number one, although it wasn't, you know, some people, not, not everyone did. But um, yeah, so that was sort of, you know, my, my first sort of takeaway uh, from, from sort of the first two picks. Obviously, as a kind of closet Ohio State fan as well, uh, through my familial sort of background, you know, for me, it was interesting to see, you know, Garrett Wilson go to the Jets, Chris Olave um, as well go number 11. So, so yeah, th- those are kind of my takeaways. That's kind of like what a lot of people felt with this draft. It didn't have what a lot of people expected to be the glitz and glamour of yeah, so many drafts we'd have in the past few years or so. I mean, think about the yeah. past several number one picks. Last year, it was Trevor Lawrence. Year before, it was Joe Burrow. Year before, it was Kyler Murray. Year before, it was Baker Baker. Mayfield. Uh, And then you get Miles Garrett. But in that draft, you had Deshaun Watson and uh, Pat Mahomes. Year before that, you had Jared Goff. Year before that, you had Jameis Winston. And then you have to get back to, like, 2014, to the last time that there was a draft without a huge marquee, like, great talent quarterback because that's the one that yeah. Jadavian Clowney went first in yeah and who's right. the most high profile guy out of that class uh Derek Carr came out of that class I think I, he was either 2014 yeah. or 2013 I yeah. forget but yeah. the most well-known name out of that class was Johnny Manziel oh yeah it's been a while. went to the Browns yeah 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 so it's been, it's been a while it's been a while so let let's let me go ahead and like set the stage like if, if you're in the same category as biz where you will are more into this for the entertainment value. This draft was mainly about trying to find the pieces you need that need talent. This was about trying to find depth. And if there's one thing that the Jets and Giants, and let's go ahead and segue into that for a bit, how the Jets and Giants did, they were looking at needs, but looking at the talent at that need that they were acquiring. So if y'all aren't familiar, uh, the Jets and the Giants both came into this draft with multiple top 10 picks and the jets ended up trading back into the first round to get a third pick as well but what all of the picks that each of these teams did was they're like okay we're just going to take the best player at the position of need that we need not necessarily let's go ahead and get cute find the one that's fitting our scheme a little bit better the giants at five took kayvon thibodeau who arguably has the most talent and raw explosiveness out of all the edge rushers some of his commitment concerns are are valid, where you're wondering if he loves the game as much, but people had those concerns about Miles Garrett as well. At number seven, they took Evan Neal, who may be the best uh, left tackle in the draft, and I think they drafted him just because he's a talented offensive lineman, and they're going to shift him over to the right side to play opposite of Andrew Thomas. So with two picks, they solidified... What for their former general manager, Dave Gettleman, said he likes to get, which is he's going to get his hog mollies up front, his big <laughs> Right. Yeah. And then the Jets take arguably the most talented explosive corner in the draft in Sauce Gardner. Yeah. Uh, they wait to take the receiver that shot off the board more than anybody else this year in yeah. Garrett Wilson. And then they talk. Uh, they traded back into the first round to take Jermaine Johnson, who a lot of people were thinking was also a top 10 player, uh, but he was like the fourth or fifth edge rusher on the list. So overall, very, very successful draft for all the New York teams for just the first round, really solved a lot of their talent needs at some of the hardest positions to get. Yeah, I, I think for me, you know, you heard that a lot post-draft. 
Jets and the Giants did really well. And again, I wonder if, you know, again, it's just New York big market and whether it's sort of homerism, like, you know, with, with ESPN. And there's just like, I, I, for me, I'm just like, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Because, I mean, the Jets have been a, a sort of moribund team for the last, well, God knows how long. So, I, you know, and, and they could be great picks. But again, it, it remains to be seen. And, and again, with the draft, it often takes two or three years before those picks come to fruition. So, especially linemen, right? Right. There, there's those positions more than anything need coaching and development. It's not, you know, often with the quarterbacks now, you can see someone. Okay, yeah, they're going to be great, or there probably isn't as much coaching up. I think now um, at the quarterback position that you need because generally a lot of people, if there's a great number one pick, they're just plug and play, and you just start them. But I think in some of those. Um, other positions where they they might be a bit rough around the edges, so to speak, that you actually need to like coach them up. And so I think with the Jets and the Giants, it just remains to be seen. I mean, the Giants were not very good last year at all. So, you know, th- there's still questions obviously around so many areas on both those teams. So it's just going to be interesting to see what happens. And obviously the Giants are in a, you know, the Giants are in a, a tough division too. The Eagles have obviously mm-hmm. upgraded, um, you know, well, obviously with AJ Brown, we talk about that a bit later too. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, I just find it funny because they're both teams that have just been in the doldrums for, for a long time, like recently. So, you know, it remains to be seen for me. It does. And the, the only thing that I can say about both of these teams, uh, talking first about the Jets, uh, the Jets last year took ex- advantage of the fact that they had the first round pick from the Seahawks. They took advantage of the fact that they had the first round pick from the Seahawks this year as well. And they've really just been trying to find what is the identity that we're going to have and where's the best talent. The only questionable pick that they've made in the first round of the five that they've had from this year and last year's draft is really Jack Wilson, the quarterback. And ultimately, it's just based off of the fact that, you know, he's young and they need to develop him. So what do you do when you have a quarterback that you need to develop? Well, you're going to get offensive line. You're going to make Mm. sure that you get defensive line. You're going to make sure you get him weapons. So what have they done over the past few years? Well, the year before Zach Wilson, the team wisely took Makai Becton. And then the year that they got Zach Wilson, they also took a guard, Elijah Vera Tucker, who's been doing well. This year, what did they get? Well, they got a lockdown corner. They got a dominant edge rusher. And they got a weapon for Zach Wilson. So they're not putting a lot of pressure on Zach Wilson this season in his sophomore campaign. They certainly want to see him elevate to the next step. Uh, yeah. But they're putting everything in place for him to start putting things together. Yeah. Uh, on the Giants' side, it's a new organization. Uh, but a couple years ago, they got a left tackle. This year, they right. went ahead and picked up They picked up the, the right tackle. They went ahead and got an edge rusher. Last year, gosh, I forget who their other first-round pick is. They got – oh, they, they traded their first-round pick to the Bears and traded down. But the only first-round pick they got last year was Kadarius Toney, who has had kind of an up-and-down, you know, conversations going on in the, the papers. Apparently, they just recommitted to him today, not necessarily saying that they're – uh, like signing him to anything, but like there were conversations just a few weeks ago. They were looking to trade Kadarius Tony because they admitted the the mistake that had. But right, th- they're apparently saying today that they're on board with him. He's on board with them. They've been working out together the past few weeks. Ultimately, these teams are not drafting to be successful this year. They're being they're trying to build the team from the ground up, and I like the way they're doing it. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking about teams that kind of hit it out of the park with the draft, how about the Eagles making the trade of the weekend to get A.J. Brown from the Titans? Yeah, that was uh, that was stunning to me. Um, I, I was just kind of gobsmacked. For me, the off season, this offseason, trade after trade has just been stunning. I feel that, obviously, the Eagles just got a steal in this. I feel that yeah, A.J. Brown is a top 10 wide receiver. He's I feel that he makes Ryan Tannehill better than he actually is. And I feel you're going to see the the sort of ramifications next year. I don't think the Tennessee Titans will be as good offensively. To me, I'm I'm not I understand there's, you know, financial um reasonings why they did this. Um but it do, it doesn't make any sense to me. To me, if you've got a great player, try and keep them. And I know the same may, maybe the, as you the Bill Belichick way get get rid of someone a year too early rather than a year too late. But AJ Brown's sort of in the prime of his career. Um, I think the Eagles are going to be much improved because you've got Devontae Smith now. And you, so you've got two legit w- number one receivers, effectively, because Devontae Smith is definitely a number one. And so so if, if Jalen Hurts continues to develop, they could be really scary um, offensively. Um, so, yeah, I think the Eagles definitely got one, got one over on Tennessee. And, yeah, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, you mentioned it before. The the financial implications were part of the reasons why the Titans had to make this trade. And the general manager even said as much, like, we, we made decisions to pay other players at other positions, or they're, they have an idea about what their financial idea is going to be in the, the near future. And as much as it kind of baffles me, a player as talented as A.J. Brown just didn't fit in their plans. Now, to their credit, they immediately turned what they got for A.J. Brown, which was a first and a fourth, into one of the many wide receivers in this class that are touted with first-round grades. They got Traylon Burks, and it's entirely possible that he develops into something around that talent level. Like, so many of these players at wide receiver in this class look like they have that upside, but I don't know. A.G. Brown was, you said, a top 10. I could argue he's a top 5 receiver in the year, the league right yeah. now. Yeah, no, I, I, I think... I think you could. I, like, to me, would you so, take AJ Brown or DK Metcalf? I mean, that that's tricky. I, I think you could argue. You could argue. They're one. so I mean, similar as far as like, what their value is. But but I think you you just sort of hit the nail on the head where you sort of said they they made the decision to pay other players, and I'm kind of like, well, what other players did they pay over AJ Brown? Because to me, Derek I would have thought. Well, I, well, obviously he's the number one, but and like, he's a running back, so you can't dedicate so much of your resources towards your offensive skill players. When you make the decision to pay your off running back, are you yeah. going to let your defense suffer for that, or are you going to yeah. try to get younger at the offense? And it's uh, it, it's, it's it's baffling. It's baffling to me. It really is. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I I sort of I I, I sort of really hope AJ Brown like has a great season in Philadelphia yeah. too, just to make it seem like, you know, Tennessee, what the hell were you doing? So, yeah. And just one more thing on Philadelphia side of this is they took Jalen Rager in the first round a couple of years ago, and he's been fine. He's just not been first round worthy. Devontae right. Smith, clearly in my mind, he was a, a home run like that. That oh, wide receiver class from last year. Like yeah. he was like, you can look at Jalen Waddle. You can look at, Oh gosh, the other one who was so good. Yes. Uh, 
Uh, Jamar Chase. Jamar, Jamar Chase, your favorite The case. other one. He was like, <laughs> I love how we but, remembered them all apart from Jamar Chase. Yeah, the like, one who won offensive rookie of the, <laughs> the year. The one who went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Last year's wide receiver class was, was all-time great. Well, it that was all-time great, great. yeah. Yeah. Devontae yeah. Smith is not a small part of that. But essentially what the Eagles did with their first-round pick is they traded a fourth to guarantee that the receiver they took this year was a surefire thing. And you may yeah. see Jalen Rager on the move at some point. Yeah. I mean, you did say that the this this was a quite strong well this was a strong class for wide receivers too so maybe you know the wide receiver that tennessee did take will will come good but i mean i'm sure he's not going to be as good as aj brown so <laughs> yeah that's hard yeah yeah so i want to talk about that for a little bit using my obligatory seahawks reference for the <laughs> for the week. you've heard it here first um, <laughs> <laughs> and um i want to segue into drafting for need Instead of drafting for the, uh, you know, the sexy pick, the glitzy, glamorous pick, and things like that, uh, frequently what you saw before before the draft from Mel Kiper and the like was the Seahawks have to come away from this draft with a quarterback. And after the draft, Mel Kiper gave I think the Seahawks like a C or a C minus because we did not come away from the the draft with a quarterback. And all I can think about and is is the fact that this draft was marketed. As the well, this is not the year for quarterbacks. You didn't even know if a quarterback was going to go in the first round. A lot of people were hoping, and a lot of people were mocking that quarterbacks would go in the first round. But everybody was saying this is just not the year for strong quarterbacks. Yeah. Even the quarterback that people were suspecting might go number two overall, Malik Willis. He lasted to the third round until right. anybody. Took. So, yeah, to me, I was begging and pleading this. Please, Seahawks, do not draft a quarterback in this class because. If this is a year where like the talent is not there and we're like developing this guy over two, three, four years, we don't have a team to develop a player around. So what did we do? Well, our biggest needs were tackle positions at the out both sides, uh, edge, which is perpetually our biggest problem, corner, which has been really, really bad ever since the Legion of Boom disbanded and quite frankly has not had anybody great since we had Shaquille Griffin. We needed depth at wide receiver, and we have an injury concern with our running backs. So what did we draft? We drafted two relatively early round tackles. We got a couple of edge rushers, got a couple of corners in the mid-rounds. We drafted a highly touted running back to add to the room, and we took depth receivers. As far as what our needs were concerned, we hit it out of the park. What this draft is telling me is, Part of the reason why we were looking at the quarterbacks the way we were, we we traded for Drew Locke. You know my opinion about Drew Locke. We still have Geno Smith on the roster. (laughs) (laughs) We still have Geno Smith on the roster, and I would be uh, very happy to see what he's got in the tank to be able to give him what he's earned by being the backup for several years. If we trade for, for Baker Mayfield, yeah, I'd like to see what he can do for us as well. But really what this draft is telling me is the team is trying to set itself up for the future. Now, whether or not that's taking C.J. Stroud or uh, Bryce Young next year, if we happen to do as poorly as I hope we do this year so we can get one of those picks, I don't know if it's going to be that. I don't know if it's making the team as good as possible until you find the right guy for the long term, or maybe they can build the team up for the course of one and two seasons and they trade for a quarterback. I don't know what that's going to be, but I do know that our needs – in a draft that was deep at all these positions, we're satisfied. The only 
issue that if you consider it an issue was we didn't take a quarterback and a weak quarterback class. So are you are you espousing tanking for CJ Stroud, Bryce Young? I would never tell my players <laughs> to go out there and do You've it here first, people. What I would do <laughs> is I would tell players to prove me wrong. I would put them in situations to succeed. And if it Drew Locke happens okay. to go out for the third season in a row, be the worst quarterback in the league, I'll be like, okay, you did what I thought you were going to do, but I gave you the opportunities to, to, to succeed. He is um, who now, we thought he is. I have said this before, that if um, my biggest problem in the past with Drew Locke is his maturity and his mm. is just a lack of quality leadership. Now, it, people are allowed to change. People are allowed to grow up, mature, and get more intelligent and better. And if he happens to prove me wrong and ends up becoming a more upstanding guy, by all means. But... I don't have a lot of faith that that'll happen, and I'm not exactly rooting for him. So, <laughs> well, all I'm going to say is be careful of, as an Ohio State fan, be careful of those Ohio State quarterbacks because, um, you know, yeah. they always come out, like, highly touted, and, you know, Justin Fields obviously remains to be seen. Where I'm going to go with this, so going back to what you said, I, I actually agree. I, I think we've, we've seen in history with the NFL draft teams that are, that are poorly managed in the front office they reach for quarterbacks and they take leaps of faith on quarterbacks because they need a quarterback. And, and sometimes, and mo well, most of the time it doesn't pan out. We mentioned earlier in the episode about Johnny Manziel. That was a leap for the Browns at that time, taking Johnny Manziel. And I, I feel that you did the right thing. Like in a, in, a, mm -hmm. in a draft class that doesn't have a Trevor Lawrence, that doesn't have a Kyler Murray or a Deshaun Watson or a Pat Mahomes, why, why take that leap of faith when there are other areas that need to be addressed and you can take decent plays in those positions? And then hopefully, as you said, maybe trade for Baker Mayfield may, or maybe there's a good backup that may be available and just see what they can do. So I, I, think, I think the Seahawks did the right thing. Like pick players that are good at their position that can help your team in certain areas. You don't need to make the splashy, sexy pick at a quarterback particularly in this draft, because there weren't really any splashy quarterbacks. So, no. but Like, if you, you want did... to make the splashy pick, you would be taking one of the wide receivers. Right, exactly. But you did, you did bring up Baker Mayfield, so it might, mm -hmm. be, it might be good just to maybe touch upon this a little bit. You know, sure. it, it's been a while, and there's still no movement on Baker Mayfield. He's still on the Browns roster. Um, there, don't, there doesn't seem to be any... You know, rumors out there that he may go anywhere. So it's interesting to me. There's one. The well, there is one, yes, but it hasn't yet materialized. And I, I, I don't know. It's interesting to me. I, I am surprised that a former number one overall pick hasn't yet been snapped up by by a team. So you know. So what are your what are your thoughts? My thoughts on that are the Browns have absolutely no leverage. And they're trying to go into this position as if they have leverage. They've said a couple of times, we're not going to take anything less than a first-round first, first round pick. And I, according to uh, uh, sources, it seems like they are, had they been talking more in the second-round pick category, no team's going to offer anything more than a fourth. Nobody's going to offer anything more than that because the Browns have no choice either to just eat the cap or to move on from him. Because they made their bed with Deshaun Watson before they solidified the, the Baker Mayfield situation. Now, Baker Mayfield is coming off of uh, repairing a torn labrum. 
And yeah. a lot of people are wondering, okay, is that going to be a problem? Now it's on his non-throwing right. shoulder, so that's less of a problem. But, but still, it's it's all part of the mechanics, and it's all part yeah. of the mechanics. And a lot of teams are looking at this from this perspective of, do the Browns really know what their positioning is? I think what they're looking at is like, hey, we have this quarterback, and we have an extra quarterback on our team who's led the Browns to their first playoff win. He's a playoff winning quarterback and he's a former number all overall pick. Give us back what we got for this. And ultimately the idea is no Browns. You do not have this leverage. You you absolutely do not. And just touching on who the rumor is, the two rumors about where Baker could go was either to the Seahawks or to the Panthers. And the Panthers, Panthers are yeah. off the table because the Panthers yeah, drafted in the they took Matt Corral in the third round. And that happened well, immediately after uh, they they were talking with the the Browns. The Panthers were talking to the Browns over dr- the draft, and uh, it was like an, about an hour or so before, maybe a half an hour before they took Macarell, that they shut down trade conversations. They're just like clearly we're on, far, we are too far enough that we cannot reach an agreement. And then they so took Macarell because take... he fell. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I you know going back to the Seahawks, I, I agree. I, I think if. If something could be worked out, like you say, the Seahawks, in a way, have nothing to lose because you've got Geno Smith and Drew Locke. And, you know, obviously, Baker Mayfield is going to be better than either of those two. We also have Jacob Um, Eason. You know, there's him. Well, yeah, but, I, I, you know, and I actually kind of like the idea of Baker Mayfield going going somewhere where... um, you know, there are pieces around him, obviously, two two very good wide receivers. Defensively, Seattle's always kind of you know pretty solid. So I, I you know, I, I well they weren't last year, but yeah. but <laughs> but um, you know, I would like to see, I would like to see him go somewhere. I, I do. It's weird. I'm not Baker Mayfield's biggest fan um, at all, and I, I don't think he's great. I think he's a, I think he's a good quarterback. Um, I think he's sort of above average. But I, I do I do feel a bit sorry for him with what happened with Deshaun Watson and and I, I do I don't think he was treated very well and I know it's a business but I, I don't think he was treated with a lot of respect and so I sort of do want I, I would love to see him go somewhere and sort of um you know a, a bit of a kind of you know look at this to the Browns or whatever but uh yeah. yeah yeah I mean I'm gonna use this as a little bit of a segue because it it would have been hilarious if the team that picked him up was the Steelers because apparently they offered to take <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Um, but their offer was we'll take him for free to get him off your books because you can't have this guy in your locker room. You can't give him away for free, but essentially the the Browns just thought that they had way more leverage than but, they actually do. But you said you can't give him away for free, but mm-hmm. if no one trades for him, that's essentially what they'll have to do. They'll just have no, to they can they'll just it. keep him on the team. They'll just yeah, but I guess... they can't. It's going to be toxic though. With you know, like the former number one overall mm. pick as a backup to Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Like, has, has there ever been? I mean, I will say that is a typical Brownsian thing that will happen. It, it does feel there's, typical Brownsian, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no other team in the league that would do something like that apart from the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, um, but continuing that segue, um, the Steelers were like in early like conversations, like, hey, is this going to be where this is going to be? Um, yeah. But the Pittsburgh Steelers were the lone team in the draft to take a quarterback in the first round, and they took Pittsburgh graduate uh, Kenny Pickett. Yeah. So they took the local kid, uh, yeah. the kid that everybody was wondering if his hands were big enough. 
Yeah. Uh, but he was certainly one of the two most talked about quarterbacks in the draft. Doesn't have quite the athletic upside that Malik Willis does. Uh, but he's he's the guy that Mike Tomlin has tapped and says, you are going to be my quarterback for the future. And yeah. it's the very, very first time that the Steelers have drafted a quarterback with the intention that he's going to be the starter since before Mike Tomlin was head coach. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I that was a really nice story. You know, sort of a local boy went to Pitt playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it's always nice when you get those picks, you know, with people sort of growing up in that area and going to, you know, like LeBron James obviously going to Cleveland and, you know, Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow, obviously. Like, I, I, I think it's always really, it's always really nice. So, yeah, it will be, it'll be great to see that, you know, um, see how he develops. Yeah. I'm really interested to see how the division develops. The, the, the Bengals are clearly there. Uh, the Steelers, they've been up and down and up and down, but they've not missed the playoffs. No. Um, they were in the, the playoffs the last Ravens, year. They were in the playoffs last year. Uh, the Ravens, before Lamar Jackson got injured, were one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. And the Browns, well, we don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson on that team. They could be the best team in the league based off of the talent by itself. They did pick up Amari Cooper, and they still have Jadavion Clowney. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I, I completely money. forgot about that. They picked like, up Amari Cooper, for, too. People forget that even though they're, they're a laughing stock right now with how they're handling Baker Mayfield, they're still one of the most dangerous teams in the league. Well, here's, here's a question. Do you think, again, this is another Brownsian thing to do. Do you think they would try and operate like a a, a hybrid two quarterback system no, like they do in college. Not at all. <laughs> they would probably just not have Baker active. The other big story that's happened over the last week oh, yeah. or two is um, Debo Samuel and the whole. I don't. I don't even know how to describe it. Like he requests a started unfollowing San Francisco on his social mm-hmm. media, and then Kyler re- requested everybody. a. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, requested a trade, and now now is back supporting the I, I mean I don't know it's just so odd to me what what happened um I mean for me I, I it's it's just really it's, it's really weird because I, I was I mean Debo Samuel is an unbelievable player I mean what he did in the playoffs for San Francisco I think last year he just sort of came of age I mean he's he's one of the I mean even as a pure wide receiver you, you'd probably put him in the top 10 and then on top of that when you add in how much of a threat he is at the running back position and the yeah. way Carl Shanahan utilizes him. He's just one of the most explosive players in the league. Um, and I was just really surprised that he requested a trade. Um, although now, and now everything's fine and he's all for the 49ers. So I don't know, what, what, what do you think about all that? I didn't see the story that he's all for the 49ers again. When did that well, happen? no, he's not all for the 49ers, but he was wearing a T-shirt that 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 was saying like I'm back or something like that. So I think he's recognizing that his best opportunity to be traded was going to be in the draft. And when that did not materialize, he's realizing, well, I'm still not happy. I'm still requesting a trade, but I'm going to show that I'm not just going to like I, I am going to work I, and I'm going to do my job. Here's the, the problem, and the reason why I think Debo Samuel is looking at this. Um, we could talk about how great he was as a as a receiver last year and how many times they ran him out of jet sweep and how many times they had him function as a halfback as well for a, a skill position player, he has been taking a lot of touches and at some particular point that tread does start to show. And what he's seeing is the other receivers in his class are now slowly starting to get paid. Uh, the most recent being AJ Brown. 
And he's looking at this as like, I have to get paid because his window, the way the 49ers are using him, is going to be smaller than everybody else's. Uh, if he happens to get right. injured next year, he's going to have to go on a one-year prove-it deal somewhere. He's going to have to take less money the next year. And what he's hoping for from the 49ers is to be able to provide the security that he needs. Now, the problem is, is the 49ers don't have that extra space at this point because, well, they're thinking about what they got with Jimmy G. They're going to have to figure out they're keeping mm. his salary on the books for this season right now because there have been no trade conversations recently with that. Uh, they have to consider the fact that they have to resign Joey Bosa. They've resigned Eric Armstead. They have Trent Williams on their team. They're going to be resigning a lot of these young players from the early Kyle Shanahan era are now going to start getting their 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 contracts. And when you take a look at Debo Samuel, he's looking at what he has been bringing to the offense, and he's thinking, if I'm going to keep functioning in this manner, I may not be in pristine condition when it's time for me to collect my money or by the time my contract comes up. So he was early in the offseason. The conversation was he was looking to get paid like the big guys. And, and and I think he is one of the big guys, which is why I think it's. Yeah, true. absolutely. But when that didn't happen quickly and he looked at this draft, and he was thinking, wow, this this is a draft where you can get wide receivers late. I think he was trying to get the 49ers to commit to him before they got close to the draft. And when it got closer to the draft, they're like, okay, you guys need to trade me because you're clearly going to just draft somebody else to be behind me. When when is his contract up? Is it is it I, this? Uh, this is his last season. He's due to okay. earn a base salary of almost $4 million, and next year he is an unrestricted free agent. Well, so, but there's still time for the 49ers to sign him to a big contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they so, could sign him to a big contract, but... <sighs> It's it's also less likely, especially if they. I, I actually don't know who the 49ers drafted at skill position this year. Let's see who they got. 49ers draft picks. Uh, did they get anybody in the first few rounds? So they took an edge rusher in round two, a running back in round three. So running back in round three to go behind Elijah Mitchell. That might say that, hey, we're going to still be heavy running back, uh, heavy running game, which means that they this might be a signal that, hey, you're still going to be the jet sweep guy. They took a wide receiver in the third in Danny Gray. So they took a running back and wide receiver in the third round. Uh, well, yeah, I just think he's one of the most unique players in the league. And I'm just surprised the 49ers don't pay him. And to be honest, any team that gets Debo Samuel, look out because he's I mean, he's. I think he's a he's a special talent, and and I so. and, and I, to me, I'm just like I don't. I, again, imagine I if he ends up on the Colts. Right, right, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, there's, yeah. So it's really strange, but and I guess I I know that there's a short shelf life for NFL players. You want to get paid, um, but I I think this whole kind of player power thing, sort of requesting a trade, um, you know, because what if the team just says, well, we're not going to. We're not going to honor it. So, you know, you could just stay on our team and, you know, but so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see whether he, whether he stays. Um, I, I hope he stays with the 49ers. Yeah. I don't because I want to see the 49ers become. A uh, yeah. Obviously. Well, how about Seattle trades for Debo Samuel? Uh, we, we, I, I wouldn't want to trade for Debo Samuel at this point. Whoa, I'd much rather re-sign Him, DK, DK, Metcalf. DK Metcalf and, uh, I mean, that's fine. But before we make the big trades for something like that, I want to have a, 
a young quarterback that's actually decent uh, that's not making much uh, right now. We you don't have, have a young quarterback. Uh, I said Drew that's Locke. doing well. I said that's doing well. <laughs> not as the statistically worst quarterback in the league over the past two years. <laughs> Those are in fact uh, uh, the opposites of what I had said. <laughs> I so I so hope I I so hope Drew Lock just has you know, one of those years that just comes out of nowhere and, like, the Seahawks finish, like, they do average and so you can't get any of those quarterback picks. That would be the actual <laughs> worst-case scenario where you uh, don't know, but you got him for another year. You don't yeah. have the draft capital because you did okay. And yeah. then he, that would be the worst. Like, either he does great or he does putrid. I don't want the middle of the road. Right, exactly. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of what what you don't want. Yeah. Well, what I do want is to bring this show uh, to a close and wrap things up here. Uh, are there any shout outs you have this week? I have I have one shout out. So, um, obviously, doing this podcast, I often bring up these weird sports that no one in this country has heard of. Um, yeah, you know, I've I've, I've often talked talked about uh, cricket as well, um, which is growing very fast in this country. But the, I want to talk about. My favorite sport, actually the sport that I grew up with, uh, snooker. And uh, while I was back in England last week, well, the last two weeks, the World Snooker Championships were happening. And my shout out is to the Rocket, the greatest snooker player of all time, Ronnie O'Sullivan, the Rocket himself. He won his seventh world title just on the weekend. That ties the record. But just to give a bit of background, Ronnie O'Sullivan is 46. He is the oldest uh, champion snooker champion ever uh, world snooker champion ever um, but just to give a bit of background he turned pro in 1992 as a 17 year old and he is still by far and away the best player in the game he is still actually the world number one he's ranked the world number one snooker player and his longevity in this sport is um, it's unparalleled I mean his success rate in 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 winning is it's is stunning to me and um you know i followed him all his career uh what he does on a snooker table is um he's a genius and uh you know congrats to you i hope i hope you get an eighth world title because you need to solidify that position as the greatest of all time even though he already is that's my shout out and uh how about you uh right now i'm just giving a shout out to the entirety of the uh, Seattle area for being such an awesome place for me to have relocated to. <laughs> like, uh, even on days where it's rainy, which is going to be a fair bit of them, keep in mind. Uh, yeah. I walk outside of the the lovely house that I'm currently staying in, and I just smell the air, and it's green. The, it is the a, smell is green. And I yeah, it. It, it's, a, it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful part of the US. It's fresh, and you know, when I was there for six weeks, that's, that's what I noticed about it. There's there's just great scenery and uh countryside and yeah, just the just the yeah, the the whole kind of air is just um it's different. Yeah. yeah. And with that, I'll talk to you in a week or so. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. See you soon. See you soon. <laughs>